0: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand-clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Because if I'm praying to these invisible saints and angels who allegedly, you know, or helped me find my keys or my book bag, then surely me seeing the ghost in the middle of the night isn't much different. And yet my parents would always say, oh, Samantha, you have such a wonderful imagination. Now go back to bed.
2: Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, whether you've just started exploring things of a spiritual nature or you've been walking this path for some time, you might have found yourself feeling a bit shy about sharing your interests or your gifts around these wacky things with other people. There are a lot of reasons that people decide to stay in the psychic closet. For me, opening up about who I am and how I connect with spirit was one of the most glorious gifts I've ever given myself, but it was definitely not an easy or a simple thing to do. Samantha Faye is back on the show to talk about her own coming out. She'll share some tools that may help you deepen your intuition and teach you to trust it more. Are you ready to meet her? Samantha Fay is the author of The Awake Dreamer, a guide to lucid dreaming, astral travel, and mastering the dreamscape, which explores the concept of soul traveling through dreaming. She's the co-host of two popular podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, which teach listeners how to embrace and celebrate their spiritual journey. Samantha has advanced degrees in education and is a Reiki master who writes and teaches all over the world about dreaming, spirituality, crystals, and intuition. You can catch her in November at the Edgar Casey Annual Psychic Development Conference, and you can find out more about that and about Samantha and all her work at samanthafay.com. Samantha, welcome to Out of the Fog.
1: I'm happy to be back,
2: Karen. It's always so much fun to talk to you. It is fun, isn't it? We were having fun before we even started the recorder. That's how I, you know it's good. I agree. So you were never in the psychic closet, were you, right? You you hatched fully formed and completely confident in your gifts and abilities, right? A
1: hundred percent. I've been
2: confident since day one. <laughs> well, thanks for doing the show. And that's all the time we have. Yeah. <laughs> <The> um, <end. laughs>
1: No, I was in that closet for a very very long time and depending on the situation I'm in today, I still have a foot in that closet sometimes. You know, if I'm if I'm hanging around a bunch of uh hardcore skeptics, I'm not going to be like, well, I have a crystal that can help with your mind opening. <laughs> but yes, I was in the closet for a very long time. I grew up in a Catholic home. I really enjoyed learning about saints and angels and mother mary and all of that and i believe that when you grow up in a in a catholic home where they tell you pray to this saint for that or you lost your keys saint anthony's got you you're worried about your dog go to saint francis we've got all these helpers that are invisible and yet alive and around and present and able to help us and so to me when i would tell my parents i saw a ghost it didn't seem like a stretch too far because if I'm Mm -hmm. praying to these invisible saints and angels who allegedly, you know, or help me find my keys or my book bag, then surely me seeing the ghost in the middle of the night isn't much different. And yet my parents would always say, Oh, Samantha, you have such a wonderful imagination. Now go back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think a lot of us get the message early on that we're wrong, that what we're seeing is our vivid imagination. And here's the thing, I did have a vivid imagination. I was constantly reading and writing and drawing and painting. And so it was really hard for me to learn to trust that voice, even though as a kid, I had several things happen that I would share that later did come true. And I still kind of pushed it all down. When I finally emerged or started to emerge from the psychic closet, I was married at the time. I had three very little kids. I was a member of the Mother's Morning Prayer Group at our church. I was every Wednesday I'd go to church and we'd uh string rosary beads for the missionaries. so I was very ensconced in this very quote unquote normal world. I was teaching English at the community college and raising my family and just very happy that I'd found my place in the world. You know what I mean like here I am, I'm a teacher and a wife and a mother, and this is what I do. And this is what I feel. And this is what I believe. And then suddenly the world started calling to me again. I had, I had a crystal that mysteriously appeared in my office that led me into a whole path of studying these, these fantastic rocks. I started meditating. I started having precognitive dreams and all of that led me to finally show up one Friday night at a little metaphysical store for an intuitive development class. And I remember when I walked in, I saw a friend from work and a former student of mine. And I never knew that those, those two people were also into weird stuff, right? <laughs> and I remember seeing them and going, oh, and we, they got up and hugged me. And I felt instantly welcomed and I felt at home right away. And I, I knew there was
2: something here and I and I kept exploring that feeling of dislocation i can i can really relate to that that feeling of dislocation when we are not connected with spirit even when it seems like everything on the outside is going really well i'm raising my kids and i'm going to church and i'm in this relationship that feeling of disconnection when we're not connecting with spirit it the The relief it gives, at least it did to me, to walk into a place and go, oh, I understand now, here are my people, or it's okay to talk about this here. That relief is enormous when that happens. It
1: is. It's like the best exhale of your life. But here's the thing. Maybe it's because I'm a Gemini. I don't know. But I would swing this pendulum so far between those two worlds. When I was in the intuitive development classes, when I was with, I then ended up creating a group from that class, we called ourselves the seekers. When I was doing that stuff, when I was taking crystal classes and learning Reiki, and when I was just praying and meditating and creating crystal grids, I did feel that connection and that sense of home. And yet there was a part of me that really yearn to stay in that world of labels I'd been living in of, you know, wife, mother and church goer and teacher and all of that. I felt very safe there. Whereas exploring this other side of me that felt authentic and did feel like home, it was also filled with all these unknowns. What will people think of me? What will they say? Can I, can I keep going to church? Is this really as bad as you know, so many religious texts say it is to read tarot and (laughs) hold a crystal. I was really filled with a lot of doubt and a lot of questions.
2: How have you reconciled that for yourself or have you?
1: I think I have now, but it did take a long time. And ironically, it really started at my church because I felt, I did feel very at home there. And, you know, I know, there's a lot wrong with the Catholic church and I am not an advocate or a proponent or whatever. I'm not saying that. But for me as a kid, we moved a lot. And so the, the mass being the same wherever we went was very, very comforting to me. So I don't really listen to what anyone standing on the altar saying, (laughs) I use it as my meditation time and I really enjoyed it. And I didn't want to give that up, you know, and I really, I couldn't see how I could reconcile my traditional world with my spiritual world and it it very much troubled me and so i was praying in church one day before mass and i was just saying god i really feel like you're directing me to walk this path and and help people in this unique way and i'm willing to do that but i need to know that i can still have this too and i didn't i said i don't know how you're going to answer this prayer but i just want you to know what's on my heart hmm. and The um, one of the deacons stood up before church began and said, we have a guest priest today. He's a retired priest from Long Island. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. We'd never had a guest priest before, ever. And so he gives the homily and he says, do you wanna know who the first person is you'll meet when you get to heaven? And I'm thinking, I don't know, Paul, like what, Peter? (laughs) Jesus, who is he gonna say? And he said, a gay man. And the second person you'll meet is your friend who had an abortion and never told you about it. And the third person, he goes through all the stuff that we're, you know, that the religions typically say no, no, no to. And I thought, oh, this, this man is really interesting. And he said, you know, don't ever be stuck by, by rules and dogma. Follow your heart. Follow the path of love. It's the mm-hmm. only one that leads to God. And at the end of his beautiful speech, he said, I'll be hearing confessions after mass. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to this man and tell him that I've been studying Tarot and, you know, talking to people who have died on the other side and having precognitive dreams. And I've got to tell him all of this stuff. So I went to confession. I told him everything I'd been doing. And he nodded and listened. And finally, he said, so what are your sins, my dear? And I said, well, according to the catechism, I think I just told you them. (laughs) And he said, uh, do you keep God at the center of all you do? And I said, yes, of course. And he said, then you've committed no sins, dear. Go in peace. And it was just a beautiful moment, Karen. And I've never seen him before
2: or since. I don't even remember his name. Oh, I love it. He was just taken back up to heaven on a little cloud with strings. (laughs) Right. As soon as you turned away, they just raised him up back where he was. Wow. There's a. That I had a similar experience of coming forward and being afraid I would be rejected or scorned in the church. My church was the Episcopal church. And I was, um, preparing to go to seminary. So I was in the ordination process for the priesthood in that church. And this is, uh, so this is San Francisco, which is very loosey goosey. And this was San Francisco in the nineties that this was happening, uh, middish, middle-ish nineties. Um, and I had a spiritual director who I worked with all the time. And the, what a spiritual director does is kind of help, um, help you talk about your prayer life and keep your interior life um, going and on track and exploring how do you connect with spirit and how does God speak to you? And when it came time for me to make my confession to her, the first thing I said to her was, I have been too afraid to tell you, and I've been ashamed of this my whole life, but I'm afraid I might be psychic. And she said, and? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, it it makes me wacky. And it's putting myself above God. And it's knowing things before I'm supposed to know them. And it's not. And she said, and I, I love her. She said, have you looked around? Have you looked at the other priests and at the deacons and at the people on the healing ministry? Have you looked around? Do you see that? all of us who are serving the church are using intuitive abilities as we do that, not to tell fortunes or to, but that all of us are right. This is how the Holy spirit works through a lot of us. So she basically said, look, look around. Yeah. And when I did look around, I cut like the penny dropped. And so there, it is a want. just on my own side, I can relate to that feeling of, the, that wonderful, warm rush of feeling like it was going to be okay. It was going to be okay. Yeah.
1: That's a beautiful message that she gave you. And it's so true because every single one of us is intuitive. It's just that it's accompanied by this label of, of what you just said, you know, kind of wacky. And nobody really wants to be perceived that way. At least most of us don't.
2: And I think for people who are wanting to develop their intuition, that fear of being seen as wackier, maybe we'd have to come out of the closet can hang us up in our own development. What do you think about that? Oh, completely. I think it can be
1: one of the biggest blocks is, is that feeling of this is a step too far. Or I kept Hmm. thinking of that quote when I was going through my awakening, when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you.
2: Hmm.
1: And I remember thinking, what am I diving into here? You know, and one thing I started doing was I read every biography I could get my hands on about a psychic who had gone through a similar awakening. So I read all the modern people, you know, John Holland and uh, James Von Prague and John Edward and all of that. But I read um, a lot of the uh, older spiritualists from England in the turn of the century up to today as well. And I found some scary and wonderful things in all of their stories. And one of them was that directly after the awakening, when they finally realized, yes, I am psychic. Yes, I am intuitive. I'm going to use these abilities to help people. They experienced drastic changes in their personal lives. Have you noticed
2: that? Yeah. Have you?
1: Yes. (laughs) And and it, and I'm not a. I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there who are like, yes, please. I love change, but I'm not someone who. I'm not terrified of change, but I'm not exactly like, yeah, great. Let's change everything up. And so that that definitely made me nervous. All all of that unknown stuff. And so I think it's it's not only fear of how other people will perceive us and judge us. It's also a fear of what awaits on the other side of this opening and me saying yes to this. And what I learned is that everything truly does work out in the end. I always joke that every time I try to meditate to connect with my angel, all I ever hear her say is all is well. And I think, no, no, not all is well right now. This is why I'm meditating to talk to you. Right. (laughs) But upon reflection, when you look back, Hindsight 2020, she's right. Everything does turn out okay, but it's getting from A to B, from B to C, to C to D that often blocks us because we can't see exactly how that's going to end up. However, when we truly, with a full heart of trust, surrender not only to God, the creator, goddess, however you wanna term that, but also to ourselves, our higher selves and our, our desire to be the light on this earth then everything unfolds perfectly and all those blocks disappear.
2: And unfolds perfectly doesn't mean that you never get a flat tire or you don't hit your knee at the end of the bed the way you always do, or that you don't yell at a child or make a big mistake or that someone doesn't pass who you love. But everything unfolding, at least to me, means when we say yes to spirit, we are saying yes And this is part of why it's been so difficult for me, because I said yes. And what I said yes to was showing up in the present moment every time as best I could, which sometimes is great and sometimes is lousy, showing up as best I could open to receiving and working with spirit in every moment. Sometimes I'm successful at that and it's great. And sometimes I stink at it, but I've said yes. And so there's in that opening, I think for me, part of why everything changed was because I understood that I had said, I'm going to show up for this now. And I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I am showing up. I'm here for the ride. And that's part of what drove. It drove a lot of change in my life. It brought me out of seminary. It left me for a few years, like not knowing what in the absolute heck am I going to do? It, um, I believe that saying yes to that actually opened it up so that my children could come to me. Um, Our kids joined our family through adoption. I feel like saying yes opened my heart enough that I could receive our kids, be a mom to my kids. So many things happened when I said yes, but there's a challenge there about being present.
1: Yes, and that is a, a really hard challenge, and I think it's getting harder each day. And I don't think any of us should really put a lot of pressure on ourselves to stay present in every moment. Some moments are hard and you just want to put on the TV and watch a sitcom or crack open a book, right? But when we can be present in the trajectory of our life's path in this moment and this day and time where we are speaking and just open our heart and say, yes, yes. With with full surrender, not knowing where that path is going to turn tomorrow or the next day, it builds a lot of strength of character as well as encouraging us to really trust that we are here for a reason
2: and a purpose and a plan. Or listeners who are wanting to start to develop their own intuition and who might be a little nervous of that big yes, Yes, I'll serve. Yes. Who want to maybe just say a mm, maybe? What are some ways that they could start just the very most basic, gentle ways they could start to connect with their own intuition?
1: I think it starts with identifying where in your day or your week you lose a sense of time. What are you doing in your week? Is it cooking? Is it walking the dog? Is it your hot shower in the morning? Is it when you're journaling at night? When do you look up at the clock and go, oh my gosh, have I really been baking for an hour? Have I been exercising for 40? That felt like five seconds. That's where you know your your peace resides. And if you can start with whatever that activity is and be really present about that activity and, and use that that energy of zoning out because you're just purely enjoying the moment, to truly go within and ask yourself, what do I need to know now? That's one of the best places to start, not only with intuition, but also a very gentle beginner's guide to meditation.
2: When you start to, when you do that, when you start, one of the things that I hear a lot from my students is that they're looking for ways to tell the difference between genuine intuitive guidance and what they're hoping they'll receive when they when they open up to spirit are there discernment tools that yes. you can share yes
1: i think so when it's intuition the tone is very blase and calm it has no urgency attached to it it has no fear attached to it or joy it's just a fact Even if the message your intuition is giving you is scary or joyful, it comes through toneless. It's also quiet and consistent, and it never changes. The message and the feeling never change. Whereas when it's your imagination or your ego or your hopes and dreams, the tone is going to be exuberant or anxious and fearful if it's coming from your ego. The message will be very detailed, which intuition is never super detailed. And the imagination or ego or hopes and dreams, the, um, the message is going to alter or shift in some way. And you're not going to, it's going to be louder and you're not going to really understand exactly the message because it's not consistent. It's not quietly calm and clear. It's energetic, it's emotional, and it's evolving. That's how I tell the difference anyway.
2: So in your own practice you're it's when you're reading for yourself right you can feel the difference in that tone it sounds like is what you're saying
1: yes yeah my intuition is very factual it'll I'll just get a message like heads up three days and then and sometimes that's all I'll get but when three days is up I know to you know keep my wits about me or i'll I'll get messages like that but it's not frightening it's not exciting it's not hopeful it's just like like a computer reading a sentence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: that's i've experienced it like that too like newsflash this just in big changes coming in three days and now back to our regularly scheduled program right where it just oh oh okay i guess that's something that's helped me with things like that and in discernment is to write down what i get So that sometimes for me in writing things down, it de-triggerizes it a little bit and I can step back and see, okay, is that genuine intuitive guidance or is that me talking to myself about the thing that I wish spirit would talk to me about?
1: Right. Exactly. That will help. And then you can also check it with the tarot cards if you want, or your pendulum, if that resonates with you, or you can check it by asking for a sign. I love to ask for signs in nature, like, okay, If I'm reading that sign right, show me a cardinal or a hawk or a yellow butterfly or what have you,
2: that's very helpful too. When you are standing inside the closet and just peeking out right i'm imagining like one little eye looking through the <laughs> through the slit of the door like just peeking out of the psychic closet what would you say to someone who's like mostly in the closet who's worried about how they'll handle what people say if it's if it's negative
1: i would tell them that you'd be surprised at how many people are more open to this and that it's not it's not that people are ever judging us for being you know, psychic or intuitive or into crystals or the moon phases or what have you. It's more that they're afraid for us. I found that loved ones and friends are more afraid for what will happen to us, how our relationship with that person will change. And often they bring their own religious biases to it as well. And that creates fear. So most of most of those judgments that you may or may not receive initially aren't aren't even about you. It's about the person It's about their belief system. It's about their fears. So I think that's important. The other thing I would say is is do some research. If you go to the Winbridge Institute, I think it's just winbridge.org, Dr. Julie Bichelle has some fantastic, highly, highly, you know, triple-blinded research studies on mediums communicating with the dead and psychic work that's wonderful. So if you have a partner or a parent or a sibling or a best friend Who thinks you're going to hell because you're, you know, I don't know, learning to read palms or studying Reiki. You might want to do some research and show it to that person to say, like, hey, this is this is bona fide science. This is actually backed up. This is a a natural biological sixth sense that we all have. And here's the scientific data that backs that up and shows that. And then I would also tell them, if you can't come out of the closet all the way, start by reading books, read everything you can get your hands on in the subject area of this world of intuition that interests you. But eventually, you're going to have to connect with like-minded people. The only way to, trust, to test and trust your intuition is to actually do readings. And so you have to interact with people who are on a similar path at some point. And I, I always recommend that people practice, do free readings for at least one year so that they can get a lot of good feedback without that weight of, oh, I'm a professional or I don't want to mess this up. If it's if it's free and it's just practice, there's no pressure and people will soon find how much they can soar and strengthen their intuitive muscle
2: when they try it from that approach. I love that. There is... Um... So in my intuitive development classes, we I teach very experientially, so really small classes, and we focus on strengthening that intuitive voice and not being afraid to speak intuitively. I love the emphasis you're placing on experience because I agree with that. There's something fantastic that happens when you are reading for someone and you come up with something you could not possibly have known. And I love it when students surprise the heck out of themselves by actually being psychic (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's the best.
1: You see them go, oh my gosh, how could I have no, and you see all these little light bulbs and light
2: switches go on and it's, it's the best feeling. Absolutely. Um, there's a wonderful reading list on your site a, an extensive reading reading list at samanthafay.com there's some great suggestions there for um psychic ability for mediumship and then for the spiritual path so i commend that to your attention listeners go have a look at that some really good suggestions there in your own practice samantha cuz you're you're busy with this right as a teacher and you're writing how do you protect yourself and keep your own intuition keen and clean. Oh, keen and clean. I
1: like that. Um, One thing that I try to do is meditate every day, even if it's just for five minutes. I try to have five, but hopefully longer (laughs) minutes each day where I'm just tuning in and going within. I've learned over the years to get to know myself and to trust myself. And so I've taken classes everywhere from everyone that I can. And I, I, took from certain classes, some things, and other teachers, other things. And this is what I always tell my students. Do not ever let me be your only teacher. You know, go go see Karen, go see Echo, like go take a ton of other classes because you're going to learn something different from each one. And so even though a lot of the books and teachers will always say, wake up in the morning and meditate for five minutes or 20 minutes, I'm not a morning person. So that doesn't really work for me. So I find my five minutes whenever I can. It might be at lunchtime. It might be at 3 p.m. It might be right before I go to bed. And it might be first thing in the morning, but I'm not very rigid with that. I am rigid with taking those 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes each day. That helps tremendously. I do work hard with my chakras. So I try once a month to balance and cleanse my chakras. I do that with crystals and uh, just the intention of my own thought and Reiki but there are several ways you can you can do that. I'm constantly praying and asking for protection and writing down my goals and really writing down what I'm trying to manifest and co-create. That really helps keep me on the path as well. But every day I just try to find a moment where I can go within for silence, solitude and gratitude exercise is really important to me. If I don't exercise each day, I just, I don't feel in tune with my physical, mental or spiritual self. Mm-hmm. So I would really say those are the the two main things is meditating and exercising. I do pray a lot, but my prayers, I think are different than most, most people's care. And mine is just, I kind of treat God like my therapist and I'll, I'll <laughs> you know, so I just, I talk to him like I would a friend um, when I walk in my dog and
2: and that always helps too. Oh, i love that can you let listeners know everything you've got going on i know the awake the awake dreamer is out you've got a new book coming out edgar casey thing's coming up in november how can they find out more and get in touch with you sure um you can just go to
1: samanthafay.com and it's f e y and there's an upcoming events tab but if you if you sign up for my newsletter it only comes out once a month sometimes once every other month <laughs> but it's a great way to find out what classes I have coming up. I'm going to, in the new year, I'm doing a, a Be Your Own Psychic class where each week you're partnered up with someone new from class to practice the exercises that we learn. And I'm also going to be doing a manifesting class in the new year. I'm taking a little break from teaching right now. I just finished a mediumship class so that I can focus on Getting the second book done and my presentation at Edgar Casey. Really excited. That's their annual psychic conference. Echo Bodine is going to be there. My dear friend Deb Bowen is going to be there teaching with me. And we're going to be doing a presentation called Unleashing Your Inner
2: Psychic. Samantha, thank you for coming back to talk to us. What fun that was! Thank you. I enjoyed it so much. Thanks, Karen. I've been talking with Samantha Fay. She's the author of The Awake Dreamer, a guide to lucid dreaming, astral travel, and mastering the dreamscape. There's lots more on her website at samanthafay.com That's Samantha F-E-Y, com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if it feels right. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening and find me on Instagram where the fun continues over there. I'm Fog City Psychic there for more out of the fog content, pictures of Maisie the dog taking a nap. And you'll always know what's on my jigsaw puzzle table there if you follow me on Instagram. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little bit more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you